This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by the Veritas Genii Symposium. Join them for the second Verdant Virtual Worldwide, which is their seventh annual retreat, where they will host lectures and hands-on workshops about the ethnobotany of plant magic. The Veritas Genii Symposium is an exploration of the greater mysteries of the herbal art and how it manifests itself within all traditions, cultures, and practices, the craft of the wise. Their desire is to move beyond the mundane and explore those mysteries in greater depth, fostering an environment where the green mysteries thrive, nourish, and become one. This year's Veritas Genii event will be held in the virtual realms on September 23rd, 24th, and 25th of 2022. So visit their website at veritasgenii.com to view this year's amazing lineup. That's V-I-R-I-D-I-S-G-E-N-I-I dot com. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Blessed Be Magic. Blessed Be Magic is a jewelry brand for the modern witch, creating subtle and tasteful talisman jewelry to remind you of your magic. You're a modern witch living in the real world. And maybe it's not that your lifestyle is a secret, it's just that you're not exactly flying around on a broomstick wearing a pointy hat. And you are not alone. It can be hard to find subtle, witchy jewelry that you feel comfortable wearing every day. But that's why Blessed Be Magic was born. With over 700 five-star reviews, these tasteful talismans are designed to be worn with your existing jewelry collection or on their own. The beauty is, Blessed Be Magic jewelry won't draw unnecessary attention to your sacred beliefs. Plus, you'll get to wear a constant reminder of your magic every day. Visit them at www.blessedbemagic.com, and magic is spelled with a C-K at the end, and use code WITCHWAVE for 15% off your first order. Check out Blessed Be Magic's modern take on classic magical symbols such as the Triple Goddess and Pentacle in their minimalist jewelry that you can wear every day, anywhere. Again, visit them at www.blessedbemagic.com, that's magic with a C-K, and use code WITCHWAVE for 15% off your first order. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to the Witch Wave. 
It is the season finale. Yes, my loves, it's the last episode of season five, and we are going out with a bright, beautiful bang. But before I talk about today's guest, I just want to say a brief thank you to you all for supporting and listening to The Witch Wave and sending so many wonderful messages and questions to The Witch Wire. And special shout out to The Witch Wave Patreon group. I love seeing all of you in our Facebook group and during our monthly online rituals. And big, juicy shout out to our guests and our sponsors. Because, look, it's been a really challenging time for so many of us, myself included. And for those of us who run small businesses or who are self-employed, it has been particularly challenging. So I just really wanted to express my continued infinite gratitude to all of you and to each of you who helps keep my work and the witch wave going. And I also wanted to remind you that even though the Witch Wave is technically going on its annual summer break, I will still be doing bonus episodes throughout the summer for our Patreon backers, so if the idea of being Witch Wave-less over the next few months is unfathomable to you, you may want to consider joining our Patreon over at patreon.com slash witchwave, and there you will be getting bi-weekly Witch Wave Plus episodes, as well as all of the Witch Wave Plus bonus episodes that we've been making throughout the entire year. It's a really great way to support the show, and it's a really great way to make sure that your Witch Wave connection is unbroken over the summer. But before things slow down for the summer here in Witch Wave land, I wanted to end this season on a high note. And this episode is so meaningful for me because I get to speak with someone whose work came into my life when I was a teenager. As many of you know, I haven't changed that much since I was a teen, but it's been particularly fortifying for me to revisit with the creators and creations who helped shape me. Even though my tastes and interests have grown, it just always feels recentering to listen to music and read books and watch films that helped set me on my path when I was young. Back then, I was obsessed with magic and art and Sandman comics Shout out to the Sandman series coming to Netflix on August 5th. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait. And I was, of course, obsessed with Tori Amos and Liquid Television and Labyrinth and all sorts of things that are odd and dark and sparkling. And despite my Aquarian freakazoid sun... I also have an ooey-gooey Cancer Moon Center, which means that deep in my heart, I am attracted to sincerity and sensitivity and softness. And one of the lifelines that I came across as an adolescent witch, which was bright and bold and so sincere, was the work of a writer and artist who creates under the name 
Sark. You might be familiar with Sark's inspirational posters and cards, such as How to Be an Artist or How to Be Really Alive. Prints like these are filled with her signature rainbow, watercolored handwriting, giving encouraging life instructions such as eat mangoes naked and marry yourself and plant impossible gardens. I first fell in love with Sark's books, A Creative Companion, How to Free Your Creative Spirit, and Inspiration Sandwich, Stories to Inspire Our Creative Freedom. They made me feel like living a life devoted to wonder and creativity was not only possible, but that it was aspirational. But it was her 1997 book, Succulent Wild Woman, which truly changed my life. In it, she writes about living succulently, which includes having free-spirited adventures, embracing intuition, and unapologetically seeking pleasure. But in this book, she also writes a ton about taboo subjects, especially for feminine people. And remember, this was the 90s. And for her to be writing about things like dissolving sexual shame, masturbation, body positivity, financial freedom, and so on, was nothing short of revolutionary. Not to mention she was doing it all in her own hand with her charming, often quite funny illustrations. Sark was like the whimsical bohemian auntie of my dreams, and one who was also unafraid to confront pain and safely discuss taboo and difficult truths. She was someone who I not only looked up to, but who showed me that it was possible to become an adult who was vivid and peculiar and who lived life on one's own terms. And so when I learned that Sark's succulent wild woman was being re-released in a new expanded 25th anniversary edition this month, I leapt at the chance to speak with her. And I am so grateful she leapt right back. But before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! Madeline writes, Before I ask this question, I must note that Witch Wave is probably my favorite podcast of all time. Ah, thanks, Madeline. My dilemma starts in my junior year of my Bachelor of Fine Arts education. I am a printmaker who found her love for mystical artwork through my first mentor, who was a radical, ecological feminist witch. The summer between my junior and senior year, and the summer following the first COVID semester, my mentor passed away. She was the professor who had expedited my growth the most throughout my education, 
So as you can imagine, this was very difficult, especially not being able to say goodbye to her because of lockdown. In her absence, I was left with only one departmental printmaking professor who in turn became my only authority. This wouldn't have been an issue except for the fact that even without knowing me, she decided she hated my work. My work draws from witchcraft, the tarot, psychedelia, earth-based spirituality, radical anti-capitalism, and ecological reverence. This professor was incredibly negative toward my work and even went out of her way to belittle and humiliate me in class. And mind you, I had undergone plenty of thought-provoking critique up to this point without issue. I actually very much enjoy being critiqued. However, this was more likened to criticism. She wasn't constructive at all. She essentially told me to throw my work away and begin again with something that wasn't in my interests. She told me that mysticism isn't worth exploring in art academia and that I was too preachy, her actual words, about my politics in my work. This is the general gist of our relationship, but I cannot begin to describe her effect on my self-esteem as an artist. The grad students that I had classes with even admitted to me that she spoke about me negatively to them whenever she could, even though I was the only BFA student working on a graduate level. I feel as though I am being torn between my desire to be in the world of high academia and continue my education later in life, and to disregard this part of the art world altogether due to her example of classicism and, frankly, nasty behavior in favor of my own path. I have actually begun a tattoo apprenticeship in the meantime to save money for my own print and tattoo studio one day. Is there a spell I can perform to gain my confidence back in the half of my practice that I genuinely feel traumatized by? Is there any advice that you can give me in lieu of Leonora Carrington or Remedios Varo or Hilma Off Clint or Nikki de St. Fal? I adore my tattoo mentor, but are there any invocations I could do for a mentor with my printmaking interest? Thank you so much for your magical works. Hi, Madeline. Ugh, my first reaction to your note is to tell this toxic professor to fuck right off. Okay, let me modify that. It probably won't help you to say those exact words to her. But there are ways that you can do it magically. And I recommend that you do so in order to protect yourself and also to reclaim some of your power in this situation. So... How do we tell someone to fuck right off magically? Well, we do that by protecting ourselves. And you can do this with cleansing magic, by casting magic circles, taking salt baths, wearing or hanging protective talismans or certain gemstones like obsidian or black tourmaline. You can burn intentional incense or candles. You get the idea. So whatever one or combination of these appeals to you, and I recommend that you do that as often as you feel called to. 
You may also want to do this kind of work during the waning moon, as many witches consider that to be the optimal time to cast any spells about diminishing something or decreasing something in our life. If this professor is still actively harming you, and it doesn't sound like she is, I think she's someone who is in your past, but let's say she is, you could also consider doing a binding spell. Now, this is not a hex. It's not something to harm anybody. It's a spell to prevent her from doing further harm. And binding spells take many, many different forms. So I would honestly just start by looking up binding spells that feel appealing to you. But one that comes to mind is to take an image of this person and you can wrap it in twine as if you are physically binding them all the while, you know, coming up with some kind of incantation to prevent this person from doing further harm. Some people like to double down on this and then put this in the freezer so you're kind of freezing them in an energetic way, again, for the purpose of preventing them from doing further harm to you or to anyone else if you care to expand the spell. But the primary thing I want to recommend to you is for you to set up an art altar. I'm envisioning an altar where you have images and objects representing the artists that you feel you are in spiritual lineage with. You mentioned some wonderful ones already, Remedios Varro, Hilma of Klint, etc. But I would also be sure to add your art school mentor who crossed over because she can still continue to be a guide for you and a protector of your creative output. And I would also put some of your own art on this altar. There is absolutely no shame in doing that. I have a copy of my book, Waking the Witch, on my altar because it is an offering that I hope will reach whomever it's meant to reach and I intend for it to be a source of goodness and inspiration for this world. So put your own work on this art altar too. And this will be a space for you to recharge, to commune with your artistic guides, to strengthen yourself, to invite spirit in to your creative work and life. And you can interact with it by lighting candles leaving offerings of flowers or incense or food. It's a place for you to tend to, which is, by extension, tending to yourself and your work. In terms of a spell for you to meet another mentor, this is the place where you can ask for that. And even better, you can do a spell at your altar and ask your guides to help you find this person here on this side of the veil. Now, in terms of you going into academia or not, of course, that's up for you to decide. And you don't have to know the answer to that right now. I will say that there are museums and universities who have become more welcoming to spiritual content. 
So you might just have to find the right program. I promise that this crappy professor of yours is not the only point of view that's being represented. You may have to, again, do a spell to find the right program, but I know that they are out there. But let me just end with these words. You and your work are not only valuable, but they are necessary for this world. Your style, your aesthetics, your point of view, they matter and they are important. And anyone who would tell you otherwise in such a cruel way is a wounded person. I think there's a very good chance that this asshole professor of yours has been triggered somehow by your work, probably unconsciously, and I hope that she can heal whatever has made her act so monstrously. But her behavior is unacceptable. You did not deserve it. You do not deserve it. And I hope you can limit your interactions with her as much as possible and instead focus on the artistic guides who have come before and who are out there now who make you feel who make you know that you belong. Because you absolutely do, and so does your work. I would love to see your art myself, so please don't be shy about emailing that to us if you care to. And in the meantime, may you create with confidence that there are people out there who are waiting for exactly the mystical, feminist, radical work that you make. Now, on to my guest, Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy, better known as Sark, began by creating her iconic How to Be an Artist poster in her magic cottage in San Francisco, and has now operated her highly successful creative business for over 30 years. She is the best-selling author and artist of 19 books, selling over 3 million copies. Her art, programs, products, and services have sold around the world. And she is also an acclaimed teacher and mentor whose wisdom has touched and transformed the lives of millions. Sark has worked with and been praised by authors and speakers, including such luminaries as Dr. Maya Angelou and Julia Cameron. Sark's purpose is to be a transformer, uplifter, and laser beam of love, and she offers this with love through her art, words, and spirit. She mentors others to share their unique gifts with the world, and she is mightily inspired by people making their creative dreams real. Before we get started, a quick content warning. In addition to all of the joyful and inspiring conversation we have, Sark does talk about incest and abuse, so just a heads up on that. Sark joined me from her magic cottage in San Francisco via Zoom. Sark, 
welcome to the Witch Wave. I am so excited to be on the Witch Wave. I am on the wave. I'm on the witch wire and the wave all at the same time. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is such an honor. As I have told you and your team off mic, and I will say it again for the benefit of our listeners, I am a lifelong Sark fan. And your books have had such a giant impact on me, especially because they came into my life when I was a teenager. (laughs) And as you can imagine, I was a bit of an eccentric, oddball teenager, very sensitive, creative, didn't really fit in. So to go into, I think it was like B. Dalton at the time, (laughs) my local mall bookstore, and to find this book that was just like bursting with art and color and affirmation for the oddball, eccentric young ladies like me and ladies of all ages, and as we'll talk about soon, all genders. It just was a lifeline for me. So, Sark, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Pam. And thank you for speaking and representing all the people that felt and feel that way. It's just so important, and that's why I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about. Me too. Me too. So I first fell in love with, and correct me if I'm getting the timeline wrong, but I believe it was Inspiration Sandwich. That preceded Succulent Wild Woman. Yes, yes. I published five books before Succulent Wild Woman. Oh my goodness. And then Succulent Wild Woman came into my life. I was 16 when this book came out. You were 42, you write, when you wrote Mm -hmm. this book. I'm 41 now. Mm. So I feel like I'm time traveling. It's really incredible. time (laughs) traveling. Yes, so powerful. And we're here today because Succulent Wild Woman turns 25 this year, and you have this new updated edition of this book. I want to talk about the updates, but first, for anyone who has not yet been blessed by your prismatic magic, can you talk a little bit about Succulent Wild Woman and what compelled you to write this book? Oh, yes. Well, I think it's important for everyone listening to know that I live, teach, and practice in what I call the marvelous, messy middle. And that's where I welcome all the feelings in my emotional family. Mm -hmm. I don't like them all. I'm learning (laughs) to love them all. Mm -hmm. I came from a significant abuse background, a lot of trauma. As I mentioned, I wrote five other books. And I did write in my book, Inspiration Sandwich, about the incest in my family. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a chapter called Transforming Negatives. And I talked about what the gifts I was able to uncover. And I want to quickly say Not everyone needs to find gifts in abuse. I think there's a tyranny of misuse, actually, of positivity, which thankfully is now being named as spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity. And oh, well, that was terrible that that happened to you, dear, but find the gifts. Yes. It was a miracle that I survived. So I was writing about the gifts from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And it ended up contributing to a lot of healing in our family because I called my parents to tell them that I was putting this in the book. Mm. And my mother said, good for you. You write about what happened to you. And she said, and I want to tell you what happened to me. Wow. And she proceeded to unveil an entire abuse history that none of us knew anything about. Mm. And then my father said, why don't you wait till we're dead? I was just so angry when he said that. I said, well, then why don't you just die? Mm. Because apparently I'm not supposed to live until you're dead. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, he did not die. And... (laughs) 
we forgave each other and did a lot of very deep therapeutic work. And I was able to get to that place with the older brother who had abused me and the next door neighbor who had abused him. So all of this history, by the time I wrote Succulent Wild Woman, I was walking on a street in San Francisco where I live and someone had etched into the pavement, succulence is powerful. And I said, yes. And I (laughs) jumped on the square and I threw my arms up in the air and I said, I am a succulent wild woman and I'm going to write all about that. Hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I collapsed to the ground in absolute fear. Mm. How was I ever going to write about that? I happened to be bisexual. So I knew I wanted to write about my sexuality and I wanted to write about fat and cellulite and chin hairs and vibrators and, you know, all (laughs) this stuff. And how was that going to go over? Would I be shunned? I mean, I didn't know what would happen. Yeah. And the world absolutely turned toward me and the book became an immediate bestseller and groups of succulent wild women formed all over the world. It was optioned as a major motion picture. I mean, it was a tidal wave Mm -hmm. of thank you, thank you, me too, me too, me too, me too. And I said, now I will never stop. I mean, I wasn't going to stop anyway, but I was going to tell my truth and my stories no matter what. And I was going to be vulnerable in print no matter what. Uh, And you write in the book, true safety lies in expression, not repression. And I would love for you to expand on that a little bit more. Why do you feel safer talking about things that people might feel are shameful or taboo? Yes, thank you for speaking of that. I think there's another quote that goes with that. In our total vulnerability lies our perfect safety. Yes. And it does seem counterintuitive, doesn't it? It feels like, well, if I'm going to share all these unbelievably intimate things, aren't I going to feel more exposed and therefore less safe? Mm -hmm. The point was, I was already feeling unsafe. I had lived through a Holocaust. I was in our family being molested in the middle of a family. Yeah. And I could not escape. That's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. And I felt unsafe every single day. And so in some sense, the worst had already happened. And I thought, if anyone else can be helped by my expression, let that be so. And if not, still let that be so. Yep. And I was just not going to back down. And I was so glad, of course, that so many, 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 many million women came forward and said, me too. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's interesting, too, because talking about vulnerability, I mean, you were writing about this stuff decades before Brene Brown, whom I love. I adore her. But I oh, mean, yeah. you are a real trailblazer in terms of exposing yourself and we'll call it a shadow side, if you will, to get Jungian about it. But one of the things that attracts me so much to your books is they are bright and prismatic and sparkling. For those who aren't familiar with them, Sark, your books are often written in your own handwriting. They're all different colors. I think you wrote in Magic Markers for a while. There's watercolor illustrations. They are just beautiful books to behold. You're writing about joy and pleasure and embracing lust, lust for life, but also sexual lust. There's a lot of joy in your book as well. 
But you do talk about these darker things, too. Can you talk about how you balance integrating your shadow side with your prismatic sparkly side? Oh, thank you. I love that word, prismatic. Mm. Well, it makes me laugh because it makes me think of a saying that I invented that I love using. It goes like this. I was walking with a friend and it was the first time I said it. And We were on a walk and I said, well, on a darker note. <laughs> and then I proceeded to tell the, the really terrible things, you know, because we always hear on a lighter note. Mm -hmm. Well, on a lighter note. And I thought, <laughs> well, on a darker note deserves the same coverage. Yes. Because honestly, joy and sadness are best friends. Yes. And we're constantly forgetting that. And we try to separate out the sadness or not feel the rage or let's not talk about despair. And thankfully, Brene Brown and other wonderful authors are doing what I call the, I put it in the book, calling on all spiritual alchemists, because we've got to alchemize the light and the dark. And I say, blend and alchemize and turn it into a brand new healing mixture. And spread that mixture as far and wide as you can. Yes. And so when you are blending these two different sides together, is that something that you have to really work on consciously, Sark? Or does it kind of just pour out of you? Oh, God, no, it doesn't pour out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really hard. <laughs> what makes it hard? Oh, well, come on. I mean, we all prefer to feel good. Mm -hmm. And who wants to go in the dark? I don't. You know, it's <laughs> honestly, it's never convenient. And it's not easy either. I try not to tell people this when they come to my classes or workshops. I try not to say right away, this is going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's the real work. Yeah. There's no way out. Pema Chodron wrote that wonderful book called The Wisdom of No Escape. Okay, here is a synchronicity for you, Sark. So this morning, I was reading my free will astrology, love free will oh, astrology. Oh, Rob. Yep, yes. Rob Brezhny. And today he had this Pema Chodron quote, which is, gloriousness and wretchedness need each other. One inspires us, the other softens us. They oh. go together. Isn't that oh. gorgeous? Yes, gorgeous. And for anyone listening who wants more like a, a really an animated version, if you haven't watched the movie Inside Out, uh, yes. go and watch that movie right now or rewatch it. Yep. I love that movie. Great Pixar film. But here's a true confession for you, Sark. So when I was reading your books, you know, I was dressing a little bit eccentric and I was into witchcraft as I clearly still am. But I almost felt the opposite where like I romanticized the darkness and I was kind of like a quasi goth kid, you know, mm -hmm. to protect myself. And, you know, I'm still very attracted to like dark aesthetics. So I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, my gosh, I'm reading this bright, shiny book. But don't worry, I'm still cool, everyone. It's almost like this inverse thing that happened. And I find myself as I'm getting older, like giving less of a fuck about how bright I am versus how dark I am, because I'm both of those things at the same time and circling back to a lot of the things that comforted me when I was young. And your books, rediscovering them again as I'm older has been such a comfort and a balm. So oh, especially and, in these times, Sark, my goodness. Yes. And thank you so much for, quote, confessing. <laughs> a lot of people who didn't read my books 
they're very bright colors, as you said. They're prismatic. And at first glance, they could appear to be fluffy yep. or overly simplistic. Feel good. You know, when I wrote my book, Glad No Matter What, which, by the way, really was an incendiary title. Mm. It would have sold a lot more if I'd written Glad More Often. <laughs> But I was determined, I still believe in Glad No Matter What. And when I wrote that book, I wrote, overly positive people annoy me. Yes. Especially when I would speak to groups, you just see all the shoulders come down like, oh, thank you. And what I really meant to say, too, was mindlessly positive people. I mean, if you're a yes. thinking person and you're just saying that everything is positive, no, we can't trust you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Off mic, right before we started recording, you said to me that you had listened to an episode or two of this podcast and that you loved how I said the word fuck. <laughs> I laughed and I was kind of relieved, Sark, because I was like, does, does Sark curse? I don't know that you do in your books, so I'm thrilled that you like my, my pirate mouth. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I did in my books. It's funny, I have to see. But one time you reminded me, I was teaching at Kripalu in Massachusetts, as mm -hmm. often would happen that somebody would volunteer or they would get someone to be my assistant. I would meet these new people every time, which was a gift. It was a challenge. It was a lot. But I had been out on a hike and I was coming back up this steep hill and here came my assistant, who I'd never yet met, bounding down the hill. Sark, Sark! And I was momentarily a little startled and kind of crabby. I was sweaty. <laughs> she blurted out, oh, my God, why are you wearing all black? To which I blurted out, I don't always fucking wear colors. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes, exactly. And we bonded immediately and became friends and are friends to this day. And I think the great uses of the word fuck is and now I'm going to have to see if I can or of course I have 19 <laughs> books so I'd have to look through a lot exactly. my, my younger brother who I'm very close to told me years ago you're going to write so many books that you're not going to remember what's in what book yeah to which I said that will never happen to me and of course now it's happened to me okay well you can go through control f Try to find all the fucks and let me know. Except I'm remember, so they're handwritten, so there's no... Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, readers, listeners, if you find any fucks, you'll get a prize. I don't know. The prize will be that you found some fucks. How about that? <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Visiting Lilith Amberley Village Witch is similar to walking into your local village witch shop if you are lucky enough to have one. But this shop can be accessed by everyone. They offer a beautiful online selection of magical items, as well as being a resource hub for witches and aspiring witches alike. Lilith Amberley Village Witch publishes a weekly blog on their website and weekly newsletters to their exclusive VIPs, as well as offering free resources such as ritual guides and spellcraft guides. How can you become a Lilith Amberley VIP? Simple! You just sign up, and when you do, you'll receive a discount off your order and access to the Lilith Amberley newsletter and all of their free resources. And right now, everyone is getting 10% off of orders from the shop through July 31st, 2022, if they sign up. 
But for you, my darling Witch Wave listeners, that 10% off never expires. You hear that? 10% off forever. So how do you get this lifetime offer of 10% off from Lilith Amberly Village Witch? Well, just head on over to lilithamberly.com slash witchwave and you'll get all the details. So head over there, sign up for the Lilith Amberly newsletter, and you'll get your exclusive 10% off Witch Wave code. And Lilith Amberly is spelled L-I-L-I-T-H-A M as in magic, B-E-R-L-Y dot com. So head over to lilithamberly.com slash witchwave for 10% off for life from Lilith Amberly Village Witch. The Path 365, Daily Direction for Ladies and Mothers, Witches and Others, is a book that allows you to open your mind, body, and spirit to a path that is uniquely yours. As a gateway spirituality guide, it weaves coping mechanisms identified in neuroscience and mental health that address mind, body, and spirit, and incorporates them into an easy-to-read daily guide. Author Susie Newell received her doctorate from the University of Cincinnati with a focus on coping mechanisms. This book gently encourages people to open their mind to a spiritual path that feels right for them. Like a daily oracle read for the soul, The Path 365 takes you through a journey of positive self-discovery and encourages you to incorporate your practice into every aspect of your being. Whether you have a solid spiritual practice already or are exploring your options, The Path 365 is a unique guide to creating a path of your own. Visit them at thepath365.com for ordering options. And be sure to use code WITCHWAVE for free shipping. And you can give The Path 365 a follow on your favorite social media platform. We are all in this thing together. Create a path that works for you. Longtime listeners know that Witchwave is proudly supported by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And I say proudly because I am someone who has been in therapy myself since I was a teenager, and I truly cannot imagine my life being as fulfilling and stable and supported without having had someone professional to talk to about all of the ups and downs that I've encountered along the way. I'm someone who has to manage my anxiety sometimes, but whether or not that's the issue you have, life can be overwhelming for all of us, and many people are burnt out without even knowing it, especially after the last few years we've all lived through. You might be feeling lack of motivation or at times helpless or stuck. You might be experiencing feelings of fatigue or detachment or more. And guess what? So do I sometimes. When I think about the large-scale issues on a global level, on top of the personal challenges I've sometimes got going on, it's a lot that we're all carrying with us. 
And sometimes it makes me feel drained and depleted and I just need a place to put those feelings so I can move on with my day. Luckily, none of us has to do that work alone. And that's why we can lean on certainly our spiritual practice, but also a mental health practice that includes some form of counseling. Talking to someone who has been trained to help me sort through all of these thoughts and emotions has been a game changer for me over the years. That's why I'm so happy that BetterHelp exists, because it is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Though I'm telling you, they've seen it all, so if you need to show up unshowered in your pajamas, that's fine too. What's also great is that BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Best of all, Witchwave listeners get 10% off their first month of counseling by going to betterhelp.com witchwave. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash witchwave. So if you're feeling burnt out or stressed out for any reason, and I can certainly think of a few myself, I'm here to remind you to please prioritize yourself and get that extra bit of fortification and support that you need and truly deserve. So one more time, go to betterhelp.com witchwave and get 10% off your first month of counseling. Take good care. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Sark. So, Sark, congratulations again on the 25th anniversary of Succulent Wild Woman. And I just have to ask what it's been like for you to revisit this book. And you also added some new content for it. Why don't we start with the first half of the question? How has it felt for you to go back and reread Succulent Wild Woman and re-engage with this book? Oh, well, it's been a miracle. It's funny because it really was an asking festival because I was going to ask Simon and Schuster if I could do this. And then they were contacting me to ask if I would do it. Mm, perfect. So, Meant this to be. wonderful synchronicity. It continues to be an amazing experience to connect with not only the material, but the people who've been affected by the book. It's so inspiring. And I feel this collective mighty movement rising up again. And so I was so happy to meet that movement with four brand new chapters and all new art. And it just was an absolute joy. And it was a lot of work. It was a year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Sometimes people say, oh, it's so handwritten. You just dash it off. You know, and I'm like, well, first of all, I believe in editors. <laughs> yes. I always use them. Mm -hmm. And they always make it better, but yes. it does make it slower, as I'm sure you know. Absolutely. And then I always wanted to teach from this book. But back in 1997, we didn't even have, I don't even know, Facebook. I don't think we no, had it. No, it absolutely wasn't. Right. So I was 16. I think eBay was brand new. Okay. Yeah. And I think like AOL was the main. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the realm we're in. So then, of course, all of a sudden I was in a position of time travel because I had to suddenly encapsulate 25 years of my life and wisdom into four chapters, which is not very many. 
so actually it resulted in the most fabulous new course that goes along with the book that comes out this month that I'm so excited about. Yeah. Wonderful. It's an absolute joy. So what did you decide you wanted to include in this book? What felt important to you to add or impart to readers new and old? Oh, thank you. What a great question. You know, I wanted to add diversity and I wanted to add inclusivity. I wanted to add non-binary, trans. I wanted to add Mm -hmm. world events war and pandemic and all of the things. I wanted to speak to that. I wanted to talk about alchemizing the wonderful and terrible things and really giving tools for people about how they could do that too. Yeah. And then I wanted to write about grief and I wanted to write about how my fiance died in my arms in 2016 Mm. and how I opened my heart and allowed new love in. And David and I are now engaged in love. Mm. We got engaged in December. Congratulations. Thank you. Wonderful news. Yes. Amazing. And I wanted to write about all the things, you know, I wanted to write about how to sparkle when things feel awful. Yeah. And and I quoted Catherine Hepburn. She said, life is hard. After all, it kills you. Yep. Uh, (laughs) I wrote this quote, the opposite of old is not young. The opposite of old is new. Yes. As long as we continue to experience the new, we will gloriously inhabit all of the ages we are and all of the dreams that we have. Oh, so gorgeous, Sark. Yes. And I wanted to share what I call the miracle methods, which is what I teach and mentor people with and what I use every day. So I put those in the book. I wanted to talk about how I quit sugar. I quit eating sugar seven years ago. And how incredible that's been and how much sweetness I have in my life that's actual, that doesn't come Mm -hmm. from a chemical. That was the one part of your book I bristled at, Sark, I'm going to admit. And that's my (laughs) own, that's my own shortcomings and my own thing that I need to work through clearly. But I was like, oh man, (laughs) do I have to? To anyone that can eat and metabolize sugar and not have it be a problem, bless you, eat it all the rest of your days until (laughs) you're dead and after. Until you're a mummy crystallized in it. Yeah, I wish I could. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. tried every which way, (laughs) I tried every which way, literally which way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) never, never worked. Yes. So, you know, eat on. (laughs) I wanted to put in the declaration of interdependence. I love this. Because I wanted women in particular to learn much more about receiving than they are about giving. Oh, it's so, so true. I like to say most women are PhDs in giving and we're not yet in kindergarten with receiving. Yep. That is such a fact. Yeah. I was so happy when I read the new intro to this book. And we're in a time of reckoning with our heroes. And you are such an important person to me that I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous rereading Succulent Wild Women. I was like, first of all, is there going to be stuff in here that just is dated from a gender perspective (laughs) or offensive? Mm -hmm. You know, when Mm -hmm. you you revisit these things, and I was so relieved (laughs) that that (laughs) your book stands at the test of time and is as wonderful as I remember it being. But I also so appreciated you really doubling down on the gender inclusivity aspect. You wrote a new intro. 
You write, I invite all those who identify as female to join us. I invite all the non-binary, gender-fluid, and transgender people to join us. I am so inspired by the courage it takes for people to define themselves and live in what they know is their true identity. And here I will say, fuck yes. <laughs> like, I was so glad you said that because I have had this experience, Sark, of revisiting books from my past and having these people I love and admire turn into transphobic people or turn into people who are just disappointing. And I just am so grateful that you have evolved and expanded oh. along with the time. So thank yes. you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to always be evolving, listening, learning. There's so much for us all to learn and grow. Absolutely. So let's talk about aging. You're now, as you write in the book, you're in your 60s. I'm now in my 40s. And I think aging is still so taboo. And one of the reasons I love the archetype of the witch so much is because it is an archetype that I think ages really well. <laughs> but I'm also curious about how you have approached your own aging, if you don't mind my asking. Oh, I love that you're asking. I was 67 when I wrote this and I'm 68 now. I've been enjoying referring to ages lately as levels. So in other words, each decade is a level. So you would be a level four. Okay. I like it. Level yeah. four. As you approach 45, you'll be a mid-level four. Ooh, I like yeah. that. I'm a late level six, steaming towards hopefully level seven. Yes. And it starts to feel exciting. It's like I just met someone the other day who was a level eight. And a few months ago, I met a new level nine. Ooh. And then, of course, I love my godchild. I just said, soon you're going to be level one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I have always had friends of all ages. And I always made friends when I was young. One of my best known friends I've written about, I was 10 years old. And as I mentioned, I was in that house being molested. And I just had to find anywhere to get out of there. And so I made best friends with a man in the neighborhood who was level eight. He, he <laughs> was 80. And his name was Mr. Boggs with two G's. Mm -hmm. And he used to call me his twirly friend because I would do wheelies in his driveway. And then we started talking. He reminded me of my grandfather. We became friends and he started inviting me over every day. And he wanted to teach me to look close and to look far. So he bought me a microscope and a telescope. Oh my goodness, Sark. He wanted to teach me to play chess, but I was, as he said, I was too wiggly. <laughs> I was impatient. I didn't want to learn chess, but he was just my best friend. He became my best friend. And then mm -hmm. my mom told me, you know, Mr. Boggs is really sick and he's going in the hospital and you have to understand he's old and he probably won't be coming back out. And I said, well, mm -hmm. then I need to write and create something for him every day he's in there. So he knows how loved he is. And every day I made something and sent it to that hospital. And after a month he got out and he said, I think you saved my life. He said, no one else called or wrote while I was in there. And he said, and I had to get out to see you. Oh, and I ran in the sorry. house. And, I know I ran in the house and said, mom, I'm supposed to be a beacon of hope and create books for the world. And then she said, eat your peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that was the start. And I had the most wonderful grandfather in the world. And he had built for me and delivered to my backyard, a tiny house. And so I moved into the tiny house that summer and wrote my first book at age 10. 
and it oh. was called Mice from Mars. And it was a, a thinly disguised abuse story about a mouse who comes to Earth and is just horrified by garbage trucks and cars and all these things and ends up going back to Mars. Mm, and I always say that thing. I'm so happy to say that the art in it is not very different than the art I do now. <laughs> oh, what an amazing story. You also write a lot about women of different ages that you admire or look up to. Can you talk a little bit about women and aging? Oh, yes. Women and aging. I mean, some of it is so hard. It's hard to accept. I think grieving comes in. You know, I've been grieving lately certain parts of my body that have changed you know, like, well, it used to look like this, or it used to work like that. I was working yeah. with my body worker the other day, and we were doing some really significant hip opener things. I, I just said, my hips were never like this. And she said, can you just love them the way they are now? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I often start from no, you know, yeah, and then I soften. And now I've been doing all these exercises and they are softening and it is helping. So I think accepting, allowing, grieving, mm -hmm. trusting, we're all in these different phases of life. And just like nature, the metaphor is always used, but it's still so relevant. I mean, we wouldn't have the buds of spring if we didn't have the leaves of fall. Yeah, I've joined all the wonderful women that are aging and changing as we all are every single day. And just trust and know and love that too. Can you tell me something you love about being 68? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if no is the no, answer, no, that's no, fine no. too. I do, I do love things about being 68. What do I love? I was always brave and feisty, but I'm much braver and feistier. And I'm willing to say unpopular things more than ever. And I'm willing to be wrong. And I'm willing to be in all the feelings. Mm -hmm. And I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. So that's probably the best answer. I'm happier than oh. I've ever been. And my life is better than it's ever been. And so isn't that great? That is so awesome. And it gives me so much hope. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you and you, Pam Grossman, you will be at 68 a fantastic phenomenon in motion, <gasps> love magnified person. Oh my goodness. So mote it be. I received that from you, Sark. Thank you so much. And I just have to take a break to gather myself. So on that note, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Lunar Landing Tarot is delighted to announce that pre-orders have officially begun for their first ever tarot subscription box. Deck box subscriptions include an oracle or tarot deck shipped to your door monthly, and they are hand-picked to complement a monthly tarot theme. To celebrate its shop launch, Lunar Landing's premier theme is the Fool card, of course. I love that. I'm all about having beginner's mind, a sacred fool's attitude. Stocked with objects honoring the magic of the plant kingdom, the Lunar Landing shop is brimming with the fool's energy of new beginnings and infinite potential. And to celebrate your inner bibliophile, 
Lunar Landing also offers 25% off its themed Book of the Month selections each and every month. This month's selection, Stephanie Capone's Guided Tarot, is the perfect guidebook for the reader who is just beginning their tarot journey. So go ahead and visit Lunar Landing's website at lunarlandingtarot.com and follow them on Instagram at lunarlandingtarot to learn more about current shop offerings, book of the month selections, including books by prior Witchwave guests, and tarot subscription boxes, as well as for monthly design challenges for the budding tarot artist in you. And be sure to use code WITCHWAVE15 to save 15% off their current shop offerings. That's WITCHWAVE15 for 15% off at LunarLandingTarot.com. Are you a witch longing for more purpose, connection, and magic in your life, yet you feel unsure where to begin? Jessica Globe is a life coach who guides witches, muggles, and creative folks to break the spell of limiting beliefs, embody their true, wild nature, and uncover what really matters in their life. Witchwave listeners receive a special discounted rate when they visit jessicaglobecoaching.com slash witch. That's jessica, G-L-O-B-E, coaching.com slash witch. While you're there, you can schedule a free consultation call with Jessica to see if coaching is right for you. So go ahead to jessicaglobecoaching.com slash witch to get the discount and schedule a free consultation. So as you might imagine, I drink a lot of tea. And I have come to fancy myself a bit of a tea connoisseur, not to brag. So when Snowy Owl Tea came on board as a sponsor, I was thrilled because they sent me a truly spectacular assortment of their teas, and I got hooked. My favorites of theirs right now are the Second Breakfast Tea, which is blended with lemon poppy and toasted oats, and honestly, it tastes a little more like dessert than breakfast, and I drink it all day long because it is so delicious. When I'm looking for something a little more caffeinated, I go for their 11th hour tea because it's a blend of black tea, vanilla, and cardamom, and you know I'm a cardamom girl, and let me tell you, it tastes divine. I've also been drinking lots of their Armor Up tea to support my immune system in these trying times, and that's their blend of herbal tea, lemon ginger, and turmeric, and it is delicious as well. Are you sensing a theme? Now, in addition to being tasty, Snowy Owl teas are unique, handcrafted tea blends made with real fruit, fresh ground whole spices, full leaf teas, and blossoms. They are created with your health and comfort in mind using 100% biodegradable tea bags. And the cherry on top of all of that is that Snowy Owl Tea's packaging is such a treat to behold as well, with their beautiful illustrations of woodland creatures and enchanting designs. 
And I feel obligated to mention yet again that the sisters behind Snowy Owl Tea told me that all of their best teas start as gifts for loved ones or for each other, and that each batch of tea is lovingly sung to, featuring a wide range of divas from Dolly Parton to Cher. I mean, come on! Does it get any better? No, my friends, it does not. You know you're going to want to discover their seven and counting varieties of tea for yourself. So pop on over to www.snowyowltea.com and be sure to enter code POTION at checkout for 25% off your order. That's snowyowltea.com and code POTION gets you 25% off your order. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Sark. So Sark, there are so many more questions I have for you. I'm conscious of time. So I'm just intuiting here what I want to bring up. And actually something just came into my mind that you said to me again before we started recording. I always ask my guests their preferred gender pronouns. And can you share with everybody what you told me? Yes. Well, you know, Sark stands for Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy, and the name was given to me by the author Henry Miller in 1982. Mm. He had died, and he came into my dream and said, your name will be Sark, and your artwork will be famous before your writing. And I Mm. thought, that's a dumb name. (laughs) I'm not going to be that name. And I wrote it in my journal, and I put it aside. Two weeks later, he came back in another dream and said, your name will be Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy. And I was like, okay. My name was Susan Kennedy. And so I can add Ariel Rainbow. That sounds good. I like that whole name. So I Mm -hmm. went to court to make it legal. And I always say that the judge was not actually real because he had this hair that went up into like an ice cream cone that went up (laughs) into a little point at the top of his head. And he was very theatrical. And he said very loudly in the courtroom, is there anyone who knows why this woman should not be named Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy? And of course, nobody said anything and he banged his gavel and I was sitting there doodling on a piece of paper and realized it spelled Sark. Mm -hmm. So amazing. I adopted Sark. I became Sark. I lived as Sark all of these years. So that's like 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Then just this year, I thought it's time to update Sark. What does Sark want to say to me about this book, about the 40th anniversary of Sark? And Sark said to me, I just sort of assumed it was a she. I assumed it was me. And Mm -hmm. Sark said, we are a collective and we would prefer to be identified as a they. (laughs) That was kind of astonishing, but it also fit right in because I've been telling people I'm here as a representative of the spirit of Sark. And in Mm. that way, we are all Sark. Ooh, wow. I just got chill, Sark. I really did. Yeah. When did this new news come to you? Was it within the last few years? Oh, no, like two weeks ago. (gasps) So this is breaking news, everyone. You're the breaking news. I haven't (gasps) spoken about it. Well, a witch wave scoop. Well, thank you so much for feeling comfortable sharing that with me and with our listeners today. That's amazing. And I'm so fascinated and I can't wait to see how that evolves for you. I know. Me too. There's someone else who I feel like wants to be in the chat. And that is Dr. Maya Angelou. I know she's someone who meant a lot to you. She blurbed your books. I mean, this is someone who 
I get the sense you still think of as a mentor from beyond the veil, if you will. Maya is a very strong mentor from the afterlife, for sure. I wrote about that in the new book. You know, you and I have something in common here because I found Maya when I was 16. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever get to meet her? Or speak oh, with her? yes. I, oh, <laughs> tell me. Please tell me everything you care to. Well, you know, there I was being abused in that house. And, and somehow in these terrifying scenes, it would unfold. I would hear inside my head, you are all right. And many years later, I realized it was my intuition, which I write about also in the new book so that people can really use their intuition more than they are right now. Mm -hmm. So this message, you are all right, helped me during these terrifying scenes and times. Then when I was 16, I found Maya Angelou's book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's an account of many of her abuse experiences and I thought, how can you be this great when something this terrible has happened? So I went to the library to hear her speak. There I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm from. I had my copy of I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. And I went there and there she was in her Maya magnificence, you know, <laughs> standing in front. And I made my way up to the wooden table where she was seated. And I somehow got the courage to tell her that I had been molested. I'd never told anyone. Ugh. And she took both of my hands in hers and she leaned across the table, looked right in my eyes and said, you are all right. You are all right. Echoing what my intuition had said to me. And I felt the cells of my body change. <sighs> I thought, this is what I will be. I will be an author. I will be a speaker. I will be a teacher. Oh, my goodness. So fast forward, I finished the book at 42. So just let's say I'm 40. I realize I need a, a strong endorsement for the book. I knew that that would really help the book. Yes. So I thought, I'm going to ask Maya Angelou. Ballsy. Yeah, very ballsy. And I reached <laughs> her, I will call them dragons at the gate. The women who guarded her magnificence were very intense on the phone and said, why should she endorse your book? And I said, <laughs> well, because I met her and she told me I was all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were kind underneath their, their ferocity. Protectiveness. Yeah. yeah. And they said, well, don't expect anything. And so I said, okay. And I didn't expect anything. I thought, well, you know, you can't expect anything. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, this was before voicemails and cell phones. And so I had the old fashioned answering machine. And there on my Panasonic answering machine comes this booming voice. Sark, this is Dr. Maya Angelou. And I've written this endorsement for your book. I hope it will suffice. And she proceeds oh. to read, we in this world, in this weary old world itself, have a great gaping need for Sark. Let's call for more and more Sark to fill every child's book bag and each attache case. Oh. <laughs> Did you levitate? I levitated. <laughs> I, I activated. I, oh my goodness. Oh. So then... My next book came out called Transformation Soup, Healing for the Splendidly Imperfect. And there was Maya again, calling my answering machine saying, Sark, this is Dr. Maya Angelou. I've written a poem for your book. And it uh. goes like this. I'm head over hills and over the moon. No work of Sark can come too soon. 
I'm laughing out loud. That's what it took. I hope everybody will buy this book. I mean, you were blessed. You were ordained. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. And then, so I was invited on a national <laughs> talk show in Canada. It was then the Canadian version of Oprah. It was called the Dini Petty Show. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be on talking about creativity and they were going to have other women whose creativity had been inspired by mine. And then I got a call and they said, we're going to have someone else on the show. And I said, oh, okay, great. And they said, Dr. Maya Angelou. <gasps> and I said, no, just give her the show. And they said, <sighs> no, we want her talking to you and how you were inspired by her. And then we want people who are inspired by you. Oh my goodness. So I get there and I'm with my assistant who looks over and there's two doors. One is called Sark and the other is called Dr. Maya Angelou. And I become completely terrified. Like I'm 13 years old and I'm twisting into it. Like the assistant says, let's go meet her. And I said, no, 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 she won't remember. Don't go there. No, 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 yeah. no. Uh. So she's got this person outside her door in this khaki suit and this clipboard and kind of an officious guy. And the assistant just ignores me and goes over there and says, Sark is here. would like to meet Dr. Maya Angelou. The next thing I hear is him say, Dr. Angelou, there's a Cirque out here to see you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, that's just what I feared. This is the worst nightmare. Well, she comes booming out of the dressing room. Sark, Sark is here. Where's Sark? She swoops down on me. I didn't know how tall she was. She stuffs mm -hmm. me in her armpit and she starts rubbing the top <laughs> of my head and repeating over and over, you sweetie patootie. You sweetie patootie, you smart patootie. <sighs> then I was kind of scared. I wasn't going to get out of her armpit. You know? <laughs> we went on and did a show and I just recently found the VHS tape of that show. So we're, uh. we're going to have it made so that people can see it. Oh, I can't wait to watch. And it was oh. fantastic. Most inspiring show. And then she invited me to her house for fried chicken which I ended up not being able to do, but we became friends and I would see her when she'd come to San Francisco. And oh. it's one of the great gifts of my life. Oh my goodness, Sark. I'm swooning. I'm just so vicariously thrilled for you. And what an affirmation too. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just like spreading the inspiration and encouraging other people too and helping them light up inside. Well, right. And let's just remind everyone, that's what a succulent does. I mean, a succulent is a plant that gets its nourishment from the environment, gives it to itself and then everywhere else. And in that way, it is interdependently connected. And that's what we all are. Ah, oh, glorious, glorious. Sark, so I have written down here that I just want to ask you point blank. What is your relationship to magic? What does that <laughs> word mean to you? Because... It strikes me that you are very magical. Yes. I consider you a witch. Yes. I don't know if you consider yourself one. Oh, clearly. Yes, I am. I'm, <laughs> yes! kind of, yeah, I'm like a secret <laughs> witch. Yeah. What did I write here? I made a note to tell you I'm like a modern spiritual witch attuned yes. to the non-physical worlds and practitioner of magic and miracles. Oh, my God. Now I'm levitating. So, <laughs> so that is a big old yes that you do believe in magic and have a relationship to it. Oh, Can you yeah. Expand Not on only that? do I believe in it, I live it. Mm -hmm. I get so surprised by people who don't or who don't know. Oh, I live by this Tesla quote. You know, it just makes me so happy. The day science begins to study non-physical phenomena 
it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of its existence. Yes, I love that. When you think about magic, one of the things I think I really either learned from you or at least it was affirmed by you is living by what I call following the trail of cosmic breadcrumbs. Yes. All the signs and synchronicities that kind of come up if only you awaken yourself to them and invite them. And I wonder if you have any practical advice for how people can open themselves up more to magic, synchronicity, whatever comes to mind. This is usually something we leave till maybe the end of the show, but I can't help but say that Hmm. this course I developed is literally called your magical life blueprint. It's for more love, creativity, and joy because I want to take people through the processes and practices and the practical application of all the things that I've learned over these 25 years. I mean, I want a multimedia experience. So it's videos by me, it's audios by me, it's live video classes by me. I can really show people magic. I can show them their magic. I can show them magic they can have. So, yeah, I mean, this is how I live every day. How did you learn to do this? I think we're born with it. And I think, I mean, I was telling my parents that there were Native American people cooking in my bedroom every night. Hmm. So I was told that I was an overly imaginative child, but I saw them. They were there and they talked to me and they were making things. And this was not to be allowed. This was not something that was, quote, real. Mm. So I just learned to keep it to myself which is why Mm -hmm. I say I'm a secret witch. I have this neighbor, you know, I live on this hill in San Francisco and there's this cobblestone lane behind my magic cottage, which by the way, I've lived in all this time, the magic cottage. I was going to ask if you're still there. Oh, yes. So there's this cobblestone lane and there was an oak tree that the roots were disrupting the pipes underneath the ground. And so my neighbor called to say, we're cutting down the oak tree. I said, please don't cut down the oak tree. And she said, well, we have to because the roots are entwined in the pipes. And I said, well, has anyone talked to the roots or to the tree? Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, you're going to talk about that kind of stuff. (laughs) And I said, yes, I am. And she said, well, as you know, I don't believe in that. And I said, I know you're always so proud to tell me what you don't believe in. And I said, let's just see what magic can do. So that night, I was still nocturnal at that time. I went out and had a conversation with the roots and the pipes and the tree trunk itself. And the next day, the city came to cut the tree down. And the guy did one more check. And he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but the roots are no longer involved in the pipes. (gasps) Whoa. And I was not surprised, but my neighbor was. Incredible. Oh, I love that so much. Okay, so all my suspicions about you have been (laughs) confirmed. I'm so delighted. So, Sark, we just have a few minutes. I have a section in my notes called Nosy Questions. Oh, good. I love it. I love nosy questions. (laughs) And maybe you'll ask one that that I won't answer, but I, I doubt it. Okay. They're not too terrible. Okay. So yeah, don't worry. But they're they're just I'm not worried. I'm I'm just curious about. I'm curious about. And we only have a few more minutes. So you can answer them as succinctly. This can be like a, a rapid fire round. First question. Am I correct that you do not have children? I have godchildren. 
I have many godchildren. I have no physical children from my body. That's a very self-motivated question because I also do not have children and I'm really embracing like the Auntie Mame energy <gasps> of my life. Love that. Love Auntie Mame. <laughs> yeah. And I just think it's so important for people to hear that like it's awesome for people who don't want to have children or who maybe they did want to but couldn't yes. and who still have gone on to live like full, beautiful lives filled with love to give to children in well, different absolutely. forms. And children need people that are not their parents to love them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Next question. What shape does your current romantic partnership take? And I suppose <laughs> what I mean by that is like, are you cohabitating in the magic <laughs> cottage? Do you use words like partner? Like what language do you use? Yes. And again, as much or yes. as little as you care to share. We are each other's most beloved. He has been described as a male version of me. Hmm. And someone just recently said that they think I'm a female version of him. Huh. He is the most intuitive person I've ever met. He is so eccentric. I gave him my highest compliment when I met him. I said, you are so not normal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we only have one vow. I wrote about this in the book. We only have one vow that we have in our relationship, one main vow, which is to tend to our own alignment first. So that's where we come to each other as much as possible, like full cups of love wanting to share the overflow and not like a half empty cup trying to get filled. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then because I said one time, I'm never going to be in another unsupervised relationship. We are in a wonderful therapeutic relationship with the most wonderful therapist who does internal family systems parts work. So oh. if you don't know about that, it's something for you to definitely look into. Fabulous. Okay. What is your writing process? Is it all handwritten these days? Or how is it that you are writing and illustrating your books when you're first sitting down to do them? Well, my operations manager, Meg, would want me to tell you, and she wants to exclaim about this, that I do a lot of writing on my iPhone in the notes section, typing with one finger. <laughs> so I actually wrote an entire book that way. My book, Succulent Wild Love, that I wrote with my former fiance, John. So I do that, but I also keep paper journals. I do like handwriting quite a bit, and I like to encourage people to handwrite because it is kinesthetic. It's mind, body, spirit. Yes, so I do yes. quite a bit of handwriting, and then I do love the note section and the one finger typing. And I write every day. And that didn't used to be the case. I was much more resistant. And I'm happy to say that I have less resistance. Fabulous. As someone who now I'm very blessed in that I also work for myself. It's definitely been a journey to get here. But I think there is a shadow side to doing what you love for money because the thing you love also is work and is tied to your finances. So I wondered if you had any quick words of wisdom around making money at what you love as an entrepreneur or for any artists who are, yes. you know, selling their work and oh, yes. like that. Yes. Thank you for speaking of that because it definitely is a shadow side. And I got involved in a big way in late 90s, let's say, I developed a licensing division of my company and we brought out 200 products 
Wow. You know, made a lot of money, but there was a lot of angst for me because the company was turning to me for all the designs. Mm. So it, it was a little bit like the little shop of horrors where I would mm. come into the living room and it would be like this giant plant from that musical Seymour. It was like, feed me, yes. feed me. And now with content, you have to oh. feed your Patreon if oh. you have one, your Instagram, yes. your yes. newsletters. Yeah, yes. Yes. yes, feeding the beast. That's one of the reasons I have a section in the new course called Beautiful Boundaries mm. because we need beautiful boundaries. Yes. <laughs> we need to know what they are for us. I mean, if you are a highly sensitive person, you may need different ones than what other people need. And, you know, development of team and not just any team, a team that is loyal, that you can trust, that can act on your behalf and create content without you. Mm, that's the dream. I'm not there yet, Sark, but that is the dream. How wonderful. Okay. Last. Thank you for that, by the way. Oh, yes. That was tailored for you. Oh, I, 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 I'm going to have to listen back to this several times. <laughs> Thank you. Last rapid fire question. I was so sorry to hear about Jupiter, oh. your kitty cat crossing over, though. I'm like, of course, Jupiter is not going to be immortal. But Jupiter has such a mythical space in my mind because you wrote about that kitty cat so many times. Yes, so yes. I wondered, do you have any pets right now? Well, first, I have to rave about Jupiter, big black cat who I called my fur husband. <laughs> and he was my everything. You're familiar. Yes. And he was my unconditional love teacher. And I actually thought I would die when he died. I and know thankfully, that feeling. Ugh, thankfully, I didn't. But he did a couple of significant things towards the end. And I'll make this quick. He was really struggling, but he got up on my chest. He was a strong telepathic communicator. And he said, animals do not mind dying. They simply unzip their fur and step out. You can be sad about my dying if you want to, but you don't have to be. And after he died, he appeared as a spirit guide and he came into my dream and was slow dancing with me. And I could feel his giant paw in the small of my back. And he was now eight feet tall and he wore a purple <laughs> cape and he is with me to this day. Oh, so beautiful. that is all the pet that I need. <laughs> yes, that's a pretty special one. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jupiter, just sending love to you wherever you are and however you are. Well, Sark, I could speak to you infinitely. In our last moments together, I want to make sure people know how they can work with you if they so choose to, how they can access all of your coursework, books, anything that you feel compelled to share. Oh, yes. Well, first of all, I made a gift, you know, for your listeners. That is right. Yes. I can't remember how many pages now. 10 or 12 page full color book called Discover Your Succulent Wild Self. And then letting people know my website, planetsark.com. And then my incredible course that I talked about already, Your Magical Life Blueprint for More Love, Creativity, and Joy is open now until June 28th. Oh, fabulous. Yes. I want to add, Sark, just to make sure that people can get the Discover Your Succulent Wild Self gift for them to visit planetsark.com slash discover. Explore what really lights you up and how to uncover the most succulent parts of yourself. What is the unique brilliance you've yet to uncover? 
This will support you in glowing from the inside to shine your succulent light on us all. Now more than ever, the world needs you to be you. Take the first dance step in the mighty movement of succulent wild women rising. Ah, yes. Oh, Ooh. I'm so glad you read that. <laughs> so everybody, please do go to planetsark.com slash discover. Sark, I am so glad that speaking of planets, we are in one another's orbit. I could not be more grateful for you and how much you've meant in my life. Thank you so much for all of the magic that you've made and for oh. taking time to speak with me today. I'm oh. so honored. Pam, you are such a joy. And I want to congratulate you so much on your book, Waking the Witch. Ah! Ah, thank you, Sark. And that means podcast, the world to me. And oh. the wonderful succulent wild man, Walter, that is there in the studio <laughs> with you. <laughs> That's you, Walter. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Sark, I'm going to let you slip into the rest of your day. May it be succulent and joyful and bright and juicy. And may you write many, many more books. I'll be reading oh, everyone. Thank you, dear Pam. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Sark for being so inspirational and so succulent. And that's it for season five. I hope you have a glorious and deliciously restful summer. Remember, you can join us over on Patreon for bonus episodes throughout our break if you don't want Witch Wave withdrawal. And we will be back for season six, succulent season six, in September. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently, drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on The Witch Wire. The Witch Wave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and I by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Laura Antal, and Cece Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now by Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and give us lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchWavePod. And you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. Please consider ordering my book, Witchcraft, or picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which is available everywhere now. And if you want more WitchWave or you would just like to support the show, please join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.